Good evening and welcome to Mining the Riches of the Parsha. Tonight is Thursday night, July 28th, 2022. I am so grateful to every one of you who is here. This is a highlight of my week and it is a thrill for me to be able to be with you. I'm grateful that you've set aside the time that we can study together tonight. The idea of Yartzeit, marking the anniversary of death of a loved one, is very profound in Jewish life, in every Jewish community. It's universal. The word Yartzeit is German. It means year, time, meaning the time of the year. The idea of marking a Yartzeit in some specific manner goes back at least to the time of the Talmud, so that's 2,000 years ago. Some of the specific aspects of observing yard sites that we're familiar with are more recent. For example, saying Kaddish on a yard site or lighting a candle on a yard site is relatively recent. That's from the late 16th century. In the entire Torah, only one yard site is explicitly mentioned, and it is in our Torah portion this week. And the yard site that is mentioned falls tonight. Tonight is the yard site. Torah says in the parsha of Masai, near the end of Bamidbar, Vayaal Aharon Hakohen El Har Hahar, Alpi Hashem. Aaron, the priest, Moshe's brother, went up to the top of Mount Har at God's command, Vayamas Sham, and Aaron died there. In the 40th year after the Jewish people left Egypt, in the fifth month, the first day of the month. So the fifth month, starting from Nisan, is the month of Av. On the first day of Av, Rosh Chodesh Av, tonight is Rosh Chodesh Av. Tonight and tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh Av. By the way, in the Torah itself, there are no names of the Jewish months. Uh, Nisan, Er, Sivan, etc., those names only come to us from the time that the Jewish people were exiled in Bavel in Babylonia. The Torah only lists months, first month, second month, third, etc. So, so tonight begins the fifth month, and this is the only place in the Torah where we have an explicit mention of the date on the calendar that someone passed away. And we read this passage in the Torah every year within a few days of this date. We're going to read this passage on Shabbos, which will be the second day of the month of Av. Every year it's within a few days. But here's the point. Already at the time of Aaron's death, the month of Av, this month that begins tonight, was a sad period. On the ninth day of the month of Av, that was the day just after the Jews left Egypt, a year or so after the Jews left Egypt, a year and a half after the Jews left Egypt, that there was the sin committed by the spies 
and God began to punish the Jewish people over the course of the next 40 years, but that began on the 9th of Av. So by the time Aharon dies, Av is already a very difficult, sad, and mournful period. Our sages say, Misas Tzadik, the death of a righteous person, Dome Lisrefas Basilokanum. That is as tragic and as damaging a loss to the Jewish people as the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, the destruction of the Temple. That gives rise to the famous phrase of our rabbis in the Mishnah, Mishinichnes Av Mamatim Basimcha. When the month of Av begins, our joy is reduced. That refers to the entire month, starting tonight from the beginning of the month. That is the date that corresponds with Aharon's yard site on the first day of Av. And it refers also to the other tragedies that have happened during this month throughout Jewish history. The destruction of the first temple, the destruction of the second temple, other tragedies that occurred. So this whole month is just, uh, it's just not, <laughs> we're not at our best. Concerning Aharon's death, the Torah says, Vayivku es Aharon shloshim yom kol beis Yisrael. And they cried for Aharon, mourned for Aharon for 30 days, the entire household of Israel. Just six months later, at the very end of the Torah, when Moshe dies, the Torah's words are almost identical. Vayivku b'nei Yisrael es Moshe ba'arvos Moav. And the Jewish people cried for, mourned for Moshe when they were camped on the plains of Moab, right? They were just on the eastern bank of the Jordan River. Shloshim yom, for 30 days. You'll notice one subtle difference between the two verses, and Rashi points this out. When Moshe dies, the Torah says, the Jewish people mourned Moshe's passing. When Aharon dies, the Torah says, kol base Israel, the entire Jewish people. Rashi says, ha'anashim vehanashim, the men and the women mourned. Aaron rodev shalom, because Aharon was a person who pursued making peace. Umatel ahava ben bale mariva, and he would bring together people who had been arguing, who were in disharmony with each other, and he would bring them into a state of harmony by finding a solution, by finding a compromise. He did that between people who were arguing, ubein ishli ishto, and between husbands and wives. If there was strife, if there was difficulty, Aaron involved himself in helping to reach a peaceful conclusion. And that's why the Torah says, Vayivku kol beis Yisrael, every single Jewish person mourned Aaron's passing. Moshe may have been greater than Aharon, but Aharon was more beloved. He devoted his life to making peace, to pursuing peace. And when that stopped with his death, 
when he died that date, the first day of Av, tonight, tomorrow, that ushers in a period of a lack of peace, a lack of love, a period of sadness and mourning. Our sages later identify the characteristic of the Jewish people that led to the destruction of the Second Temple about 2,000 years ago. Our sages tell us it was because of the sin of sinaschinam, of needless hatred, to which, I've mentioned this before, Rav Kook, first Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Israel, famously taught that we need to combat that darkness with the spirit of Aharon, whose passing ushers in this darkness. We need to combat that with Ahavaschinam, to love more than is required. Because that's what Aharon did. That's what Aharon stood for. And please notice that when Aharon died, the entire Jewish people had a period of mourning that was 30 days. That is the period of mourning for a relative, for any relative other than, God forbid, a parent who passes away. They mourn for Aharon as a member of their family, as a brother. Likewise, we should observe the yard site of Aharon tonight and tomorrow. And the proper observance of Aharon's yard site is to act as he acted. Ohev shalom, verodev shalom. To love peace and to pursue peace. Or to use Rav Kook's phrase, to engage in ahavaschinam, to engage in abundant love, more love than is called for. There is variation among different groups of Jews in how to observe a yard site. But one practice that is universal among all groups of Jews today is to say Kaddish. So I'd like to focus tonight on this prayer, what it means, and what the experience of saying it is supposed to do for us within the context of mourning someone who's passed away. Because this prayer has had an oversized impact on Jewish life. Kaddish is among our oldest prayers. It was originally written about 2,400 years ago. And it evolved into several different forms or versions. So let's start with the original prayer. Ironically, that's known today as Chatzit Kaddish, which literally means half Kaddish. It is a mixture of Hebrew and Aramaic, which reflects the era in which it was written when Jews spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. And begins with the famous words, Yiskadal v'yiskadash Shemei Rabbah, God's name should be great and holy. The structure of this prayer is that the person saying Kaddish is calling out to the congregation to respond with the line in the middle, where the congregation responds, 
Yehei Shemei Rabba Mavarach Leolam Ulmeo Mayo. And the Talmud tells us that when the congregation responds with that line, and again, the congregation is responding because it's being elicited by the person saying Kaddish, asking the congregation to say this, the Talmud tells us that that line is God's favorite prayer. Listen carefully. This is the Gemara Brachos, Mesekta Brachos. When Jewish people gather into synagogues and study halls, and they answer when someone says Kaddish, they respond, God, so to speak, shakes his head. Vomer and he says, Ashrei Hamelech, Shemakalsanoso Bevesokach. Praiseworthy is the king whose people praise him in this manner. God is affected, God is moved, so to speak, by this particular praise. The person who is saying Kaddish says it standing with their feet together. I've discussed this before. Whenever we have a prayer where we are standing with our feet together, the Amidah, Kedusha, the Kaddish, the idea of that is, based on a passage in the prophet Ezekiel, Yechezkel Anavi, that a Malach, an angel, has a single leg, not two differentiated feet. And so when we stand with our feet together, we are attempting to imitate angels. In other words, we are no longer in this world. We are transported to another realm, to a spiritual realm directly in God's presence. When a person is saying Kaddish, they are no longer in this world for those moments. I'm going to come back to this point a little bit later. So the Kaddish prayer, originally written, serves to mark the different sections of the prayer service. And from the what we refer to as the half Kaddish, Chatzit Kaddish, it developed into several different forms or versions that are used at different times. After the Amidah, where we're standing directly in front of God and we're praying to God, we have a version of the Kaddish that adds the line, Tiskabel Tzolosonuvoshon. We say to God, please accept the prayer that we have just offered to you. That version of the Kaddish is always said by the one leading the service after a Shemona Esrei or an Amidah. There is a version of the Kaddish that includes a paragraph that starts with the words Al Yisrael V'Al Rabbanon. It's known as Kaddish Rabbanon, the Rabbi's Kaddish. That version of the Kaddish is said after we study Torah. So, for example, at the beginning of the morning service, we say the Karbanos, the sacrifices. That's not prayer, that's study. On Shabbos, at the end of the morning service, 
we say Enkelokenu, which has the order of the incense. That's not prayer, it's study. It's followed by Kaddish Rabbanan. And the reason is that extra paragraph is saying thank you to the teachers. Thank you to our teachers who teach us Torah. And they should be well and they should be okay. So if we have had the chance to study Torah, we say a version of the Kaddish that includes this prayer thanking those who teach us Torah. There's a very interesting form of the Kaddish. Often it's referred to as the graveside Kaddish. It is the Kaddish that is said at a funeral, God forbid, standing at the graveside. And that version has an extra paragraph. And that paragraph refers to one of our 13 fundamental beliefs of Tchias HaMesim. Those who have died at some point in the future in the Messianic era, they will come back to life. In other words, death is not permanent because the neshama, the soul of a person, that continues to live even after the physical body has died. It's a very moving and dramatic statement to make at the graveside that though this person's physical body is being placed into the ground and has finished its physical life, the neshama of the person, the soul of the person, the spirit of the person is still alive. And finally, there is the version that we refer to as Kaddish Yasom, the mourner's Kaddish. Literally, it's the orphan's Kaddish, but we refer to it normally as the mourner's Kaddish. And this is the version of Kaddish that has had, I think, the greatest impact in Jewish life. It is a ritual that brings people to the synagogue. It brings people to be involved with the Jewish community. This version was originally written as the Kaddish to end the service. You have a Kaddish in between one section and another, a Kaddish after the Amidah, and then you're going to have one at the very end. It consists of Chatzit Kaddish, the half Kaddish, plus two extra lines. Both of those lines are prayers for peace. Yehei Shlomo Rabbah, may God's peace increase. And then the famous line at the end, Oseh Shalom Bim Ramav, God who makes peace in high places, make peace here on earth. And the reason for that is that every prayer ends with a prayer for peace. The Amidah, the last paragraph, is a prayer for peace. The service as a whole, the last prayer that we say, ends with a prayer for peace. And as you know, when we say that line, Oseh Shalom, first we take three steps back. We take three steps back and we say this line, Oseh Shalom bin Ramav. The reason that we take three steps back is because we are leaving God's immediate presence. When we're saying the Amidah, we're standing directly in front of God, praying to God, speaking directly to God. I mentioned before, when we say Kaddish, we're standing with our feet together as if we're angels in direct communication, spiritual communication with God. And then when it comes to an end, 
We take three steps back to emphasize we are now leaving that in intimacy, that moment of closeness, which was expressed by the fact that we were standing with our feet together like angels. We're now coming back to earth. We take three steps back. I've heard several people make the following comment. Another reason why we take three steps back before we say that line. And that's because sometimes, not always, but sometimes, in order to make peace, you have to step back. You have to give room to the other person. Not every comment or action requires a response. Sometimes, let it go, step back, let it pass. So, okay, that's Kaddish. Now, what's curious is that it should be a prayer for mourners because the Kaddish prayer has no mention of death, no mention of grief, no mention of mourning, no mention of memory. So first, let me share the technical correct answer to this question. And that is as follows. Originally, as I mentioned before, this last Kaddish is meant to end the prayer service, every prayer service. And it is said by the Chazan, the one who's leading the service. Because we end every prayer service with a prayer for peace. So there's one Kaddish at the end. It is a mitzvah for a mourner to lead the davening, to be a Chazan. To, lead, to be the one who's leading the, the prayers. And the reason for that is because it's a merit to the soul of the person that passed away. Like any mitzvah that a person does in memory of someone who passed away, it's a merit to the soul of that person. But it's leveraged. It's a very good deal. Because when, let's say, I'm leading the davening, if I'm the chazan, so it's not just the words that I'm saying. I am evoking the congregation to respond. If I say Baruch Hu, and the entire congregation is going to respond. If I do the reader's repetition of the Amidah, I am saying this prayer on behalf of everybody who is there. If I am leading the Kaddish, I am evoking, eliciting the entire congregation to respond, Yehesh Me Rabbah. So it's a, it's a mitzvah that is leveraged with greater value, excuse me for using that term, because it's not only my mitzvah, I am eliciting and evoking a whole lot of people doing mitzvahs because of me. So it's a valuable mitzvah to do in memory of someone who's passed away. The only thing is, not every mourner knows how to lead the entire prayer service, knows how to be a chazan. So, what we do is we take the last prayer, the one that also leverages the entire congregation, the Kaddish, a prayer that requires a minion, because again, you're saying to the group of people, let us all respond with this line, Yehesh Me Rabbo. And the Chazan, who should be saying this last prayer, sacrifices it and gives it to the mourners. So that the mourners are, in fact, leading the service, but only one part of it. So if they're not capable of leading the whole thing, at least they can 
lead this last prayer. And that's the reason that this prayer becomes a mourner's prayer. That means that when a person is saying Kaddish, they should say it aloud so that others can hear and respond, Yehesh me Rabbah. Because if I simply say it to myself, I'm missing the whole purpose of what the meaning of the words are. Likewise, saying Kaddish only makes sense if I am within a minion. If I'm by myself, the words just simply don't make sense. Because the words say, I'm asking the entire congregation to respond and say, Yehesh me Rabbah. Well, if you're in a congregation, that makes sense. But if you're alone and you're asking people who are visible to respond to you, that's a little strange. So if a person is not within a minion, it's better to say some other prayer. God likes lots of prayers. Say a paragraph of Psalms. Say some other prayer. But the Kaddish, the words of Kaddish only make sense if we are within a minion. There's a difference in custom whether women say Kaddish. My opinion and my practice and the custom at Adath is that we encourage women to say Kaddish. You should know there are different practices in different places. Before we get to the meaning of the words of Kaddish, I want to dwell briefly on the experience of saying Kaddish. What is it supposed to do to me and for me, this experience of saying Kaddish for someone who's passed away? The truth is, for many Jews, it is one of the deepest religious experiences they will have in their lives. And there are multiple layers of significance and meaning in what that experience is able to do for a person. First of all, it's a prayer, as I mentioned before, that has to be said within a minion, which means that a person receives the benefit of being part of a community. And it involves in, it involves us in the subject of how a community helps with grief, that a person should not be alone, that a person has friends and people that care about them. So simply by the fact that it brings a person to the synagogue and it brings a person into the company of other people, the experience is supposed to be, is supposed to be helpful to a person as they go through this process of grieving and mourning for someone they love who's passed away. The experience of saying Kaddish for someone who's passed away is a tribute to the person who passed away because it requires us to rearrange our life. It requires us to rearrange our schedule, certainly to say it regularly. It requires a major change to our daily routine. And that's a tribute. This person passed away my life is not the same. It does not go on as it was before. There's something that happened. Things are different. It can be challenging. If a person is not used to coming to shul on a regular basis, all of a sudden, change in schedule, and then what happens when you travel? It can be very complicated. Well, 
Today, there is an app for that. So um, there are apps that will help you find where's a, a, the nearest minion, what time is it, the directions, etc. Another thing that happens when a person is saying Kaddish is that it puts the mourner in a good place around good people. And there are good things that are happening there. There's learning Torah. There are other mitzvahs that are being done. There's the opportunity to find ways to help people when you come to shul. So what the experience should place a person in a locale that is beneficial, that is supportive, that allows for growth. And if a person is saying Kaddish regularly, I would advise, open yourself up to new experiences. Open yourself up to different congregations, different places, different versions of the prayers. Experience what it's like in a Sephardic shul if you're used to an Ashkenazi shul or vice versa, or a Hasidic shul or some other place. Experience what it's like to pray in unusual locations, like at an airport or in a park. There is a benefit to taking on a responsibility that requires a person to try very hard to go to effort to be able to fulfill on a regular basis. There is a benefit to making yourself a little bit crazy to be able to fulfill this mitzvah, to find a shul, to find out what time it is, getting a minion. Rabbi Pesach Krohn tells this story. I, I just think this is an incredible story. There was a man who was saying Kaddish for his parent who passed away, and he tra traveled from New York to Israel. And he arrived in Israel, it was about midnight, and he wanted to say Kaddish. He didn't want to miss. And by the time he found a place, there's a place in Yerushalayim that has around-the-clock minyanim. It's in uh, Geula, the Geula neighborhood of, of Yerushalayim, of Jerusalem. By the time he got there, it was 2 a.m. And there was no one else there. But he couldn't miss. He didn't want to miss. So how are you going to find nine other people to be able to have a minion for Kaddish at two in the morning in Yerushalayim? So here's what he did. He called nine taxicab companies and ordered a taxicab from nine different companies. They all came. And as soon as each one of them arrived, he said to the taxi driver, start your meter. Start it now. All I want is for you to stay here and we're going to make a minion. And the taxi drivers agreed. And when they all showed up, he had a minion and he led the davening and he said Kaddish. As soon as the davening was over, of course, he wanted to pay each of the taxi cab drivers because he had told them to run the meter. They all refused. They were very grateful to be part of this creative solution to fulfilling this mitzvah. Now, 
I do need to point out, some people do make themselves crazy. And that is not good. This is true about any observance. It can be taken too far. A person can make themselves sick over it. A person can have a level of guilt that is not healthy over not being able to do what they consider the maximal uh, uh, mitzvah. There are situations in which something else takes priority over saying Kaddish. If someone, God forbid, is sick and needs assistance, it's not the right thing to leave them. A person should not fulfill the mitzvah of saying Kaddish at the expense of some other mitzvah that is more pressing. For example, a person should not fulfill the mitzvah of saying Kaddish if it causes irritation to other people. And an example of this, in my opinion, and my practice, is on an airplane. I do not think that it is the right thing to form a minion, even if it's to say Kaddish, on an airplane. Because it clogs up the aisles, it bothers people who are trying to sleep, it irritates the staff. I don't think it's the right thing. And it is my personal practice, I daven on an airplane at my seat. If it means I have to sit, I sit. Of course, in the airport, it's fine. You go to an empty area, you can make a minion. That's fine. I've told this story before. I was once coming into shul here at Adath, and there was, it was right at about the time the minion was starting. And there was a man who drove up to come to the minion, and he drove up, and the only available parking space, I, I put that in quotation marks, was blocking someone's driveway. First of all, please don't block anybody's driveway on Harrow Crescent. Our neighbors have enough to deal with living next to a synagogue, and they should not have to deal with someone blocking their driveway. And unfortunately, it happens, and, and it's not a good thing. Okay, so he, um, he was blocking a driveway. Now, maybe this is wrong with, of me. I didn't say anything. I didn't feel it was my responsibility to say anything. But he said to me, he saw me and he said to me, is it okay if I park here because I have to run in to say Kaddish with a minion? So he asked me a question. So I said, no, it's not okay. You should not be blocking someone's driveway. It's not okay. <laughs> and he said, well, but I have to say Kaddish. And he ran into the shul and he said Kaddish. So again, this one mitzvah should not come at the expense of, of other mitzvahs. The earliest source for Kaddish as a prayer for mourners is attributed to Rabbi Akiva, the famous Talmudic sage. However, the attribution does not occur in the Talmud. It first occurs only several hundred years after Rabbi Akiva died. So there are those who question that attribution, but Jewish custom is to accept that it is Rabbi Akiva who suggested Kaddish should be said by a mourner. And the idea is that this mitzvah of saying Kaddish will achieve forgiveness for any sins that the parent had done during their lifetime. That's the reason, by the way, that for a parent, God forbid, we say Kaddish for 11 months, even though the period of mourning is 12 months. But if you say 
Kaddish for 12 months, that seems to indicate that that parent has lots and lots of sins that need atonement and requires the full term. So we stop a month early to indicate, no, 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 the parent really is, is, uh, is, uh, is, is righteous, doesn't need the full term uh, of the atonement that is, that is offered. I want to share a few ideas that connect the text of Kaddish to the process of mourning. And before I begin this part, I want to just be very clear. Every experience of mourning is unique. And everyone goes through a period of mourning differently. And different ideas will apply to different people. There may be some overlap, but there will be situations in which one idea may apply and not the other, or vice versa. But the one basic idea that comes from Rabbi Akiva is that I, the child, can do something for my parent after they pass away that helps them in some spiritual way, even if I don't exactly understand how that works. But that's the point that Rabbi Akiva is saying. I can do something for my parent. So I'll tell you a, a personal story. Uh, my father passed away about 11 and a half years ago. And um, in the last years of my father's life, we moved here to Montreal, which was wonderful very good. But the downside was that we were moving further away from my father who lived in New York. When we lived in Connecticut, we were an hour and a half away. I was able to see him very, very often. I was able to help him. Once we moved to Montreal, I was not able to see him as often as I wanted to. And when he passed away, I felt very bad that I had not done as much for him as I, as I thought that I should have. When I was saying Kaddish, it was very powerful to me that I was in some way helping him, that I was doing something that in a spiritual sense benefited him in a way that I was not able personally to do for him in the last years of his life. Now, on a deeper level, Kaddish begins with these words, Yiskadal v'yiskadash me Rabbah, we are praising God's name. Rabbi Maurice Lamb says, when we say Kaddish, we make a vigorous declaration of our faith, but we do so in a transcendent realm, remember, with our feet together. And at the end of Kaddish, we take three steps back, as I mentioned before, indicating that we're exiting the spiritual world and returning to the earthly world. We are moving, when we say Kaddish, into a different realm. In other words, while we say Kaddish, the words of Kaddish tie together heaven and earth. The words of Kaddish, Rabbi Lamb writes, enable us to connect with the departed, soul to soul, spirit to spirit. 
Kaddish creates a harmony of two hearts, the deceased and the survivor. It allows us to continue the conversation, to say what still needs to be said. Another layer. Yisgadal v'yisgadash, I praise God's name. I glorify God's name. This is within the category of statements that we refer to as tzidduk hadin, justifying the judgment. In other words, when a loved one passes away, God forbid, we say a bracha, a blessing, blessed are you God, king of the universe, dayon ha-emes, you are a true judge. And what we mean by saying that is we may be distraught, we may be angry, we're grieving when someone we love passes away. We recognize in that moment God has a plan. We don't understand it. We don't like it. It may hurt us. It may anger us. Maybe not every mourner can do that. Again, it depends on the situation. Maybe not every mourner needs to do that. Every mourner is different. Every loss is different. But that is the task our tradition sets for a mourner to say Kaddish, to see a mysterious God above, even when he is almost totally hidden. And that is a sublime service to God to be able to say Kaddish, to be able to say Yiskadal v'yiskadash at that moment of pain and loss. But that's a service to God that is deserving of being called God's favorite prayer. Rabbi Yosef Soloveitchik says it as follows. In the midst of the shade of his suffering and personal loss, he seeks and finds God. Rabbi Yitzchak Hutner once wrote a letter to a former student of his who had suffered a terrible, tragic loss. And here's what he wrote. To comfort you? I don't know how. I know only these words uttered by millions of Jews when their souls are bruised they part their lips and they are able to absorb strength and energy even at the depth of their deepest despair. Yiskadal v'yiskadash Shemei Rabbah. May God's name be magnified and sanctified. Rabbi Shlomo Karbach put it a little bit differently. He said, that these words of praising God that the mourner says, the mourner is actually speaking the words that the departed is saying now. The one who passed away may have been removed, distant from Judaism, may have been angry, at what is happening to them. There may, be, have, may have been bitterness in their life or pain in their life. And then a person passes away and then it's just the soul. 
It's the neshama that comes before God. And now they see the big picture. Because in this world, we don't see God. We don't see God's justice. We don't often don't see God's kindness. We certainly don't see God's presence. Once we enter the realm of the spirit, then everything becomes visible. Then everything becomes known. All the contradictions are answered. All the questions are solved. And it's at that moment that the neshama, the soul of that person, sees the full truth. And the mourner quotes what the soul of the departed is saying at that moment. Yiskadal v'yiskadash shemei rabba. Let me share a final layer with you. And this I learned from Rabbi Mordechai Greenberg. The significance of Kaddish is answering this line, Yehesh Me Rabbah. That's what we saw before from the Talmud. The significance is that I, the mourner, say these words to elicit everyone in the minion to respond, Yehesh Me Rabbah. The crucial issue in understanding this prayer is where do you put the comma? So, Tosfos, one of the great medieval scholars, says as follows, Yehesh Me Rabbah, it should be that the great name of God, Kama, Mevorach Olam Olomeomaya, should be blessed forever and all eternity. God's great name should be blessed. That's what everybody is saying. That's what God is so happy about. That's the line. But other authorities, Machzor Vitri, Rashi, the Ramah, which is normative for Ashkenazic Jews, put the comma in a different place. Yehei Shemei, comma. It should be that the name of God, Rabba Mavorach Laolam Olomeo Maya, should become greater and more blessed forever and all eternity. Now, the theological problem with that version is obvious. Rashi asks this question. How is it possible for a person to make God's name greater? Do you mean to indicate, God forbid, somehow that God is lacking and that I, as a mourner, am making God's name greater? How is that even possible to, to imagine? And Rashi gives an astounding answer in yes. Vadai Chaserhu, God's name has been diminished. Every time a person dies, God is diminished. There's one less person in the world to recognize God. There's one less person in the world to praise God. There's one less person in the world to serve God. There's one less person in the world to reflect God's presence in the world. God is diminished when a person passes away. And that's why we say Kaddish. Yehei Shemei, the name of God that has been diminished by the loss of my 
father or mother or husband or wife or sister or brother or son or daughter, God forbid, may the lessening of God's name caused by this death be made greater again. Kaddish is a merit for the deceased, but it's not a magical formula. The goal of saying Kaddish is not simply to have read the words. Kaddish is a pledge. I, the mourner, I, the survivor, will make up the loss. That's the merit to the deceased. That's the power of Kaddish. I recognize that there is something less in the world, and I make the pledge that I'm going to find a way to make it whole again, to make it better. This is an incredible story. There was a great Jewish scholar a number of decades ago, Rabbi Baruch Sarutskin. And it once happened that someone he was close with passed away and he traveled to New York to visit the family who was sitting Shiva. There were several sons of this man who had passed away. This man had been a very wealthy Jew, very involved in supporting all kinds of Jewish causes. He came into the Shiva house. He sat down with the sons of this man. And he said to them, have you already divided your father's inheritance? They were shocked. <laughs> You're asking about inheritance? We're sitting shiva? <laughs> Rabbi Soretzkin said, I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about the causes. Your father supported this school. Your father was involved in this effort. Your father helped make sure that this happened. Which one of you is taking over these objectives? Which one of you is making up for the loss of your father to the world? How are you going to make up for it? Who's going to make up for it? How will you distribute amongst you? Making God's name greater after it's been diminished by your father's passing. When we suffer a loss, initially we'll focus on what we feel, what we lack. There is a certain narcissism in grief, and that is natural and that is healthy within limits. But Kaddish directs us to focus also on what the loss means to God, on what the loss means to the world. And our pledge to fill in what is missing. This is the question the Kaddish poses to every mourner. And that is the power that Kaddish gives to every mourner to be able to repair that breach, to make God's name greater, to make the world better in the face of this loss. My friends, I want to wish you a great evening 
and a beautiful Shabbos and a happy Rosh Chodesh. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.